Amen. You guys go ahead and have a seat. Amen. Get your Bible out if you have one tonight. Maybe it's on your phone or maybe you have a physical copy. Turn with me to John chapter 1 tonight as we dive in. Amen. As you guys turn to the Gospel of John chapter 1, I just want to say welcome back. I hope you guys had a great spring break. Uh, some of you are like, yeah, what break? Uh, I was working and like, you know, don't have a break. Um, but listen, thank you for um, praying for us as we were in London. Uh, they were felt. I promise you they were felt. We had a great time. Uh, we did catch a little stomach bug, if you guys have not heard yet. Uh, you can have pity on me if you want. I think mine was the worst. Uh, there was like four of us that caught that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it was great. I, I was the one that had it on the last night, by the way, if you, if you care, and I know you do, so I'm going to tell you. Um, I had it on the last night on the plane ride back. So would not advise a nine-and-a-half-hour plane flight uh, like that. So it was, it was great. Uh, but listen, we had a great time. Uh, the Lord, he really did work, and, and, man, the team that we had was incredible. So, listen, I hope you guys were able to get a great uh, a great break in, uh, maybe at least take a deep breath, right? And so I think we have like, gosh, six or seven weeks left until uh, you guys are in finals week. And so, uh, man, just I want to encourage you, let's lean in for the next six or seven weeks, right? And so as we uh, come up into finals week and uh, you're like, man, I just had midterms, but, but here we are. And so listen, just lean in and just make this a priority. Continue to make it a priority, okay? And I, I'm extremely uh, happy about tonight as well as we start this new series, if you uh, have seen it on our social media, you know we're starting a series called Behold Tonight. Uh, and really this series is meant to encourage you. And so as we go through this series for four different weeks, it's meant to encourage you, breathe life into you. Uh, basically what we're going to do through this series is point you to a few different names of the resurrected Jesus, right? So we know that Easter's coming up. That is what we're going to celebrate. Man, without Easter, we would not have anything to celebrate as believers, and you guys know that, right? And so we're going to make a big deal about this, but really, what does the post-resurrection Jesus mean for our lives, right? And so we're not, we're not just going to dive into the resurrection, we're not just going to dive in you know, to the normal cliche stuff, but we're going to understand after the resurrection, how does that impact our lives? Uh, and I believe, man, as I've been studying this, that you guys are going to be encouraged. You're going to be challenged uh, to do things that you've maybe never done before. Uh, you're going to maybe be challenged to, to renew your faith in a whole new way. I um, mean, so I'm excited about it. And basically what we're going to do is as we dive into these a few different names for a few different weeks is we're just going to set our sights higher than what we have been. We're going to set our sights higher inside of our own individual lives. That's what you're going to be challenged with, setting your sights to something greater than you, something greater than your failure, something greater than your anxiety, something greater than your depression, something greater than all the rough things that you guys go through. Now, not to minimize those things, right? We're, we're not trying to minimize uh, the struggles that we have and that we go through and the situations that we all go through, but at the same time, we're going to grasp these next few weeks, man, just how powerful our God is. And, and I, I my prayers that you will just get a taste of who he is. And so that is my goal. That is our prayer. And so I'm excited about this series. We're going to uh, end up in John chapter 1 tonight, verses 30, uh, 29 through 34. Um, and so turn there with me uh, if you can. And so we're going to be discussing the Lamb of God tonight. So the first title 
is the Lamb of God, what significance does that have for our lives? And so I would encourage you, go ahead and take your phone out, man, take pictures, take notes, uh, man, write stuff down, do whatever you need to do, write in your Bible, but go ahead, we're going to discuss a lot in just a little bit of time. And so the Lamb of God, what does that mean? We've heard of it, we've sang about it, like we know about it, uh, we, we've heard sermons on it, got a lot of songs on it. How does that apply to our lives and what does that look like to practically live that out? How, how is that encouraging to us, right? Right? Look with me in verses 29 through 34. John testifies about Jesus. Verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was born before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Verse 32, then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the one on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. A few different verses, there's a lot packed into this. John teaches us a few different things as we dive into this. Here's what we see, first of all, is that the cross, the cross was Jesus' mission, but the resurrection was his purpose. Now, some of you are like, oh my gosh, I know we're not separating the cross and the resurrection. It sounds like we are like minimizing one and like lifting high the other. But that, that's not at all what we're doing tonight. But you need to understand that there's a difference between a mission and a purpose, right? Just in our lives, right? Like we, we all have a mission, but we all have a purpose as well. And so we see in the life of Jesus, we see that the mission was that the Father told Jesus to come to this earth, right? We all know that. We, we all have grown up hearing that. Jesus, you need to go die for those people because this is the plan. They cannot die for themselves. Uh, the Father told Jesus, like, Jesus, go on a rescue mission for these people because they cannot do what you can do for them. These people are sinners. They are broken. That They are born sinners. There's no hope in their life. They can't live a perfect life. They can't die a death that is worthy enough to forgive them of their sins. In other words, Jesus, we need you. You are the only one, the Father says, you are the only one that can drink my wrath and I'll be satisfied because of you drinking my wrath. And so, and so this is Jesus' mission, right? We know the mission of Jesus is to go to the earth and to die. And so that, that was his mission. But at the same time, the resurrection was his purpose. And so we see a big deal inside of the resurrection as only Jesus could perform this. So verse 29 walks us through this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of, of the world. I love how one theologian quoted this. He summed it up. He said, at the very dawn of his ministry, Jesus is greeted with words that remind him of his destiny his sacrificial agony on the cross for the sin of mankind. The shadow of the cross was cast over the entire ministry of Jesus. So get this picture, right? 
That's what this guy is saying. Like he was reminded of his destiny. Have you ever thought about Jesus in this type of way? As Jesus lived his life, he was often reminded of his destiny. He was often reminded that he was to come and to save the people from their sins. He was often reminded, just like in the scripture, the Lamb of God. In other words, Jesus is translating that as, oh my gosh, yes, this is my destiny. This is my mission. He's reminded that his mission, his job, his authority is to come to this planet and to die for people. The shadow of the cross was cast over the entire ministry of Jesus. Could you imagine this type of burden, right, that Jesus has on inside of his life? So we see the mission of Jesus is to die, is to be sacrificed. The mission is, all right, I know what I'm going to do. I know I'm going to do something that these people cannot do for them, for themselves. So the purpose, if you think about it, the purpose in Old Testament of an unblemished, spotless lamb in the Old Testament was to be the sacrifice for someone else's sins. Like, we, we all probably know that. Jesus came to fulfill that and, and much more. So we see this in, in this scripture, right? So first, what, what John does is in verse 29, he, he attacks Jesus, he, he approaches Jesus' mission by saying, look, the Lamb of God. Maybe take note of that, highlight that, something. The Lamb of God, that, that was his mission. His mission was to be the Lamb of God. His mission was to die for people's sins. And then he follows it up with, who takes away the sin of the world, which is what? His purpose. So he, he approaches his mission, and then he approaches his purpose. And he says, you need to understand, this guy that, that we see coming in front of us, this guy that we have here, he not only has a mission to die, but he has a purpose to rise again. He has a purpose to take away the sin of the world. And nobody else and nothing else can ever say this, right? This is what is so powerful about a mission and a purpose all in one. And this is also the difference. And so we see this is that Jesus, he not only came, you hear all the time, that Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament, which is right, right? And so you read in the Old Testament and you see all these places to where these lambs would be sacrificed. We call them sacrificial lambs, right? And so their whole purpose was to, all right, one day you are going to bleed. You're going to be cut open. You're going to bleed for someone else's sin. This is the Old Testament sacrifices. And then whenever in the New Testament, you know, Old, Old Covenant and New Covenant, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and on, we see Jesus coming and perfecting that. And he, he was that one sacrifice, but he also had so much more to offer. Those lambs in the Old Testament did not rise again right? Those lambs in the Old Testament did not offer eternal life with them. And so we see that Jesus came to fulfill that, but also so much more. So what John is doing here is he is attacking both of those stances in one little sentence. He is saying, understand the one you are dealing with here. Understand whenever you behold the Lamb of God, you're not simply beholding a mission, but you're beholding a purpose that is eternal, and so as you behold the Lamb of God, as you behold him, what that does is it puts things into their rightful place inside of your life. And we're, again, we're not trying to minimize what we go through, not trying to minimize, man, if you need medicine, if you go to a counselor, we're not trying to minimize, man, that diagnosis you got. We're not trying to minimize that rough relationship. We know those are real. Those are serious. We understand that. But at the same time, understanding you're not meant to behold those things inside of your life and make those things the main thing. 
Maybe it's a sin inside of your life. Maybe it is something you have heard. Maybe it is something that you really struggle with. Whatever that looks like inside of your life that you're beholding more than the Lamb of God, you need to fix it. Because what John is saying here, he is saying, we have a God who not only does this, but he also he encapsulates us by saying, all right, I'm not just going to do this, but I'm going to do the whole, the whole nine yards here. And I'm going I'm to show you what you need, right? Not only what you want, but I'm going to show you literally what you cannot do for yourself. And so, therefore, this gives you reason to behold someone so much greater. Not that we don't go through things or experience things. John is saying, no, no, own that. Take ownership of that. That is who you are. Take ownership of that. Jesus, Jesus takes pride in walking with you through these situations. But at the same time, don't slap the Lamb of God in the face by saying, I'm going to focus more on these temporary situations than the eternal God that I serve. So think about it this way. Without death, even the most beautiful lamb was pointless. Think about the Old Testament. And so relating this to Jesus, without the resurrection, even Jesus is pointless. You're like, oh my gosh, we just said Jesus is pointless. But think about this. In this type of way, Old Testament theology here, looking back at these lambs, if, if, if there was no sacrifice, if there was nothing on their end where they said, I am giving up my life for someone else, there's no point in the unblemished lambs, right? And so when Jesus comes along, you have to put all of your weight on the resurrection and say, all right, we're going to go as far as saying without that, we know that he is pointless because he's just like every other prophet. He's just like every other little G God. He's just like everybody else who was born here and they lived here. They lived some few good years. They were a great prophet. They were a great person. He was a good man, on and on and on. The one thing that's different is that he says, listen, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to rise because dying for these people is not enough. Simply laying my life down is not enough. Laying my life down is not enough for them to behold me for all of eternity. No, rising from the dead and completing my purpose is what will allow them to behold me even starting right now. I love how John said it. He said, who takes away the sin of the world, right? And so highlight that, maybe, maybe write a note like this is the purpose, who takes away the sin of the world. Without that one little sentence, without that little phrase, who takes away the sin of the world, we would not have what we have today, right? And so some of you are like, man, I, I, I totally believe it, I totally get it, and I would say, no, you probably don't. But for the reason of the way you choose to live your life, the way you choose to trust in the things that you trust in, the way that you choose to continue to walk in sin every single day, you, you claim that you know the one who takes away the sins of the world, just like John is saying here. We're not talking about the one that died, but the one that takes away the sins of the world. You, you claim to know that, that God, but at the same time, nothing in your life reflects it. At the same time, you don't have faith to back it up. And, and what, what John is saying is, he is saying, you have to understand that it goes f way beyond you simply believing something, you simply understanding something, your, your life is a reflection if you truly, truly love the Lamb of God. If you truly behold the Lamb of God, your life is going to reflect that. John keeps going. Point number two, only the eternal can do the supernatural. Only the eternal can do the supernatural. 
So he keeps going in verses 30 and 31, kind of explaining kind of what is going on here. He said, this is the one I meant. So this is kind of like story time with John. Everybody, anybody ever heard of that? First time, here we go. Story time with John. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Verse 31, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So this is where we go. All right, we, we have now, we have the mission of Jesus, we have the purpose of Jesus, and now we have some of the background of Jesus because of what John is doing here. But he, here's the whole point is only the eternal can do the supernatural. So John is going through this whole situation of he is saying, all right, do you remember when I said that this man surpassed me because he was before me. And, and those of you that have studied your Bible and, and you know the ages of John and Jesus in this moment, you're like, this, this makes absolutely no sense. Here's how one guy summed it up. He said, John the Baptist was actually born before Jesus. And John would know this. So when John says he was born before me, he refers to the eternal preexistence of Jesus. John knew very well that Jesus was God. So here's what John is teaching us to do in this moment. It is not an an idea of, all right, you know, you're you're two years older than me. You're six months younger than me. John, John wasn't doing that here. He was talking, he was fixating on the eternal Jesus is what he was doing. He was fixating on the eternal Lamb of God. And what a lot of us are bad about doing is we are so bad about focusing on some temporary Jesus inside of our lives, and we wonder why things are going the way they're going. We are so bad about, about being just, in, just engulfed by the temporary things inside of our life to where we only have a small view of Jesus. We only have a small view. Well, I can't, I can't see Jesus in this moment. I can't, can't really feel Jesus in this moment. I haven't heard from Jesus in a while. And a lot of us, if we're really spiritually like, like just shallow, we'll, we'll walk away from the faith completely and we'll just be like, man, listen, Jesus just doesn't love me at all. And so, so John, John is walking us through this situation and he is, he is calling us, challenging us to focus on the eternal and not just the temporary. He is saying, don't just create a God in your mind who you can understand all the time. Don't just think that God loves you only if you can understand what God is doing. He is saying, no, there's a reason he's a big G God and you're a a, a little H human. (laughs) There's a reason for that. It's because he knows it all and you don't. There's a reason he is infinite and he, he is infinite and we are finite, right? There's a reason that there is a gap between him and us. If you understood everything about the Lamb of God, then he wouldn't be the Lamb of God in the first place. And so John is calling us to say, you need to understand there's a preexistent Jesus. There's a Jesus who was here long before Genesis was here. There's a Jesus that's going to be here long, be- long after the end of this planet, right? There's a Jesus that was here long before you, and he's going to be here long after you. There's, there's a Jesus that was here long before your situations and long after your situations. He is saying, don't focus on the temporary. And even greater than that, don't make a little G God and call him Jesus and say, all right, I'm trusting, I'm trusting if this, if Jesus will get me through this situation, then, then I will know he's here and I will love him. John is saying, no, fix your gaze and behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God in such a way, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I hear, no matter what situation I'm in, I'm going to behold the Lamb of God in such a way that says, all right, I know he knows what he is doing. 
I know he's a pre-existent God. I know he, he's a always will be God. He's always has been, always will be God. I know he's a yesterday, today, and forever God. And so therefore, since he covers all of his bases, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to behold him instead of what I'm going through. John is saying, please, people, would you just behold something so much greater than a temporary? So he's not referring to age here in the moment. He is referring to this Jesus has far, far surpassed me. I love how it leads us to the next point. John is pointing us to the reality that we need to have a high view of the significance of the lamb. This, this high view that John is calling us to. I know for me in my life, I don't know if you guys could say the same thing, but anytime I struggle with pride or arrogance or, man, just loving myself more than anybody else or, you know, you fill in the blank, Something that God has been teaching me, and I'm just being real, is that anytime I take myself back to what Jesus has done on my behalf, I am immediately humbled. And I know that sounds like the preacher answer and the Sunday school answer, but, but this is what John is teaching us to do in this moment. He is saying, man, if you will just understand, whenever you go back to the reality that you are not eternal, you are only here for a very short time. You will only hear this bad news for a very short time. You will only hear these bad diagnoses for a very short time. You'll only be in these bad relationships for a very short time. Something that always helps me is to take my eyes off of who I am and to look at Scripture and say, man, if Jesus did that for me, who am I? Who am I to live life in such a way that I don't care for anybody else? Now, it's a daily battle. Uh, we all know this out of Scripture, right? That salvation is a one-time thing. You, you never lose it like it's there. Like, yeah, it, it, may, it may struggle sometimes. You may be like, oh, man, I've been, I've been, I've been wrestling with this. Salvation is a one-time thing. But repentance, that's a daily thing. And, and what many of us do is that we try to get through life without ever repenting of our sins. And we're like, yeah, I'm following Jesus. And, and I'd be like, well, when's the last time you asked Jesus to forgive you and, and to just, just humble you? You're like, well, I, I don't really remember that. And this is what John is calling us to do. He is saying, have a high view of the significance of the Lamb. Don't have a high view of your circumstances. Don't have a high view of your relationships. Don't have a high view of X, Y, Z. No, he is saying it needs, your life needs to go through this season to where you rearrange some things. And if you haven't yet, then you're like, okay, I need to do that. But maybe you write things down. Maybe you think of some things. Think of those things inside of your life that you're like, man, what in the world could I rearrange? Not necessarily take out of my life. Not every good thing is a bad thing, but also every good thing is not a God thing, right? And so like, what, what things in my life should I rearrange in order to behold the Lamb of God in a better way? In order to behold the significance of the Lamb in a better way inside of my life? Because what many of us are bad about is we are bad about beholding things that, that in the long run, they, they, don't, they don't really matter, right? And so John is calling us, have a high view of his significance. Have a high view, have a high priority of his significance and what he has done inside of your life. John says it like this. A man who comes after me has surpassed me. Maybe, maybe write that down in verses 30 and 31. Verse 30, it says, this is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. So in other words, he is saying, no, this, this man is something special. 
this man that I am talking about, he, he is something to brag about. He is something to follow. Like, he, he, he has surpassed me. In, in, in other words, whatever this man says, whatever this man does, it is so much greater than my own life. And so John is saying, you need to be humbled inside of your life in order to have a high view of who he is. You can't get through situations. You can't navigate through things on your own. No, you have to have a high view of someone so much stronger and so much greater than yourself. So here's what we know. When the eternal collides with the temporary, you have a choice. Think about this. To either settle for where you're at or pay attention to something greater than yourself. We all know this, right? When the eternal, when Jesus, when he collides with the temporary, this blows my mind, but this is what he does. He says, listen, I have eternal life to offer you. I have forgiveness to offer you. I have joy to, I blank, blank. I have all this to offer you. Like Jesus, the eternal is colliding with the temporary, me and you. And so whenever that happens, and we all come into that category, we are all face to face with our conviction every single day. And we say, man, we are colliding with eternity right now. We are collided with Jesus. You have a choice. Either settle, which is what a lot of us do, because we don't like change. We don't like to do something else. We don't like to feel another type of way. So we just settle for our own sin. We settle for our shame. We settle for our selfishness. You name it, and that's what we settle for. You can either settle. Jesus is never going to force himself on you. So you either settle for what you've been doing or you're going to pay attention and you're going to lift your eyes for a minute and see something so much greater than what yourself can offer yourself. And this is what John is walking us through in the most humble way. He is saying, this man has surpassed me. This man is so much greater than me. This man is so much more valuable than me. But at the same time, he wants me. He, he wants me at the same time. So in other words, what we see is that we see eternity. We see the Lamb of God, this, this blame, blameless, this without blemish, without spots, all these things. We see him wanting to collide with us. And you know what happens is we, the temporary, we say, no, God, I don't think I want that. No, God, I want my shame. I want my guilt. I want to feel uh, pity for myself. I, I, I don't want that because that, that would leave me turning away this world. It would leave me turning away everything that my friends are doing. So what we have is we have God and us, and then we turn away God, but God's saying in his grace, he is saying the Lamb of God offers you something so much greater, and you need to respond to it. And the reality is he gives you chance after chance after chance, right? And he says, I am here. I promise you I'm pursuing you. I promise you I love you. You're breathing. I promise you you still have a chance. And many of us, we go all throughout life, and one day it's, it's going to be no more. And one day we're going to see, man, God gave me all these opportunities, and, and I should have turned when I had that chance. God is colliding with you, man. Think about it. Jesus is colliding with you. The Lamb of God, eternity is colliding with you, and he has given you a choice. Don't choose to continue to settle. It leads us to the next thing John is teaching us. Only the chosen one of God can fulfill the requirements of being the Lamb of God. This leads us to our last text as we close out the night, verses 32 through 34. Verse 32, then John gave this testimony. There's that word one time. So every time it says testimony, 32 and verse 34, maybe highlight that. Then John gave this testimony. 
I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, which is the second time he said that, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Verse 34, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Take, take note of that. Verse 34, God's chosen one. So th- this, is, this is what we're looking at here. Only the chosen one of God, verse 34, can fulfill the requirements of being the Lamb of God, which is way back in, in verse 29. So think about the requirements of the Lamb back in the Old Testament, right? It's going to be on your screen. The things that we see of the Lamb. Number one, they are without blemish. Number two, they are pure. Number three, they are spotless. Has to be a male killed in the evening. No bones broken. Fast forward to Jesus, and what do we see of Jesus? He is without blemish, perfect in all of his ways. He is pure. There's nothing wrong with him. He is spotless, like no error in him. He's a male. He's killed in the evening. 3 p.m. is when he died. Hung on the cross at 9 a.m., died at 3 p.m. No bones broken. We know that they jabbed him, right? And so all this fluid came out, and no bones were broken. Scripture says you are not to break a bone in his body. He is not going to be broken. And so what he did was he came and he, he met all the requirements of being the Lamb of God. I love how John says this. He says, then John gave this testimony, verse 32, may, maybe take note of that. Then John gave this testimony. So anytime scripture says this, you know it's about to get good because like, this is like a court of proof type deal. Like, all right, I promise you I was there. I saw this. Like, there, believe it or not, there were a lot of skeptics in these days too, just like it was in the crowd tonight. There's a lot of skeptics that are like, oh, are, are you sure? John says, all right, I'm, I'm going to go and tell you, like, I got a testimony, and you need to listen, all right? This is court approved. It's a testimony. So John, John gave this testimony. So what we see of this is that the gospel of John emphasizes John's role as a witness, not a baptizer. We know John sometimes as, as the baptizer, right? John the Baptist. But in this situation, he's a witness. Witnesses give testimony as to what they have seen and experienced in an effort to establish the truth. Beyond that, they are unreliable and operate on hearsay. So what we see here. Just walk through it with me really quick. Verse 32, then John gave this testimony. So we see this, a testimony, blah, 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 I saw this. Uh, I'm giving you an account of what I saw, what I heard, what I was there for, blah, blah, blah. Verse 33, verse 34, our second time, I have seen, number three, not number two. And then I testify, number three, that this is God's chosen one. So three times, verses 32 through 34, John is saying, you need to listen to my words in this moment. I testify, I have seen, and I testify. So in other words, you, you need to listen, and you can base your life off, off of it. John is saying, I, I, know, I know you didn't see it with your own eyes unless there's something that I don't know about you. I know I haven't seen it with my own eyes. I know I, know I wasn't there. I, I didn't hear about it. I, I didn't feel the presence of God or anything. But, but I know according to what John is telling me here, I know that this stuff is, that this stuff is true. And John is saying, since it is true, you need to understand that you don't need to just believe in it, but you need to act out in it. Because what we're talking about here is not just someone who came and died on this planet like ever the prophet, ever the little G-God, but we're talking about someone who sent the spirit down as a dove, and I literally saw eternity unfold in front of my eyes. And man, I believe he has a word for you guys tonight. Man, the ones that are struggling and doubting, and man, maybe, you know, you haven't heard from God in a while. You haven't felt him. 
You don't really know what's going on with your alone time with God. You don't really know where your relationship is with the Lord. And, and man, I, I believe John would just say, man, just keep trusting. <laughs> keep, keep trusting. Because if, if we could do anything to be in this situation right now, to be inside of this man's testimony, I wholeheartedly believe that John would be like, wasn't it worth it? Even when you didn't feel it, even when you didn't know it, even when your situations were telling you otherwise, even when your friends were telling you otherwise, and the only thing you had was this scripture right here, wasn't it worth it to continue to believe in this God and continue to have faith in this God? John is saying, you need to understand, it is reliable information what you are basing your life on. I'm going to leave you with one more thing. The Lamb of God that we're talking about tonight points us to a much bigger picture than just a death. He points us to a picture that gives hope and assurance that we can trust him now and to eternity. Man, I want to be very clear as we man, close out for the night. Our goal never is to point you to a death. Our goal is to never point you to a dead God. Our goal is to never point you simply to a cross. Our goal is to never point you to the point that where Jesus lost, lost his life. You gotta understand, in order to behold the Lamb of God, you have to go further than the death of God. In, in order to truly behold the Lamb of God, you have to go further than just belief in God. In order to behold the true Lamb of God and for it to make an impact on your life, you have to understand you can't settle for a dead Jesus. You can't settle for a Jesus that only appears on Sundays at church. You can't settle for a Jesus that only you can understand. And I say that with all the love that I have. You can't just settle for a Jesus that, man, well, I'm going to sin. I'm just going to ask for forgiveness, and he's going to forgive me. You, you can't just settle for a Jesus. If you want to behold the Lamb of God, you can't just settle for a Jesus that you think lets you do whatever you want to your pleasure and to your desire. No, if you want to behold the Lamb of God, you've got to do what this says. You've got to see the picture that John is painting for us. He's pointing us to a hope and an assurance that we have. He is pointing us and he is saying, it is not worth it. Whatever you're doing, I don't care what it is. It's not Jesus, then it's not worth it. I don't care what you're taking, it's not Jesus, it's not worth it. And many of us, we, we go through, man, especially our college careers, and we believe that we're beholding Jesus, and we tell people we're beholding Jesus. We tell people we are beholding the Lamb of God. I have a relationship with the Lamb of God. We tell people all these different situations, and the reality is your life shows none of it. And, and, and so John, John kind of challenges us to say not only did the Lamb of God come and he said, I'm going to make new, even what these lambs could not do, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do so much more. But he also came to say, you need to behold me every single day of your life. And no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what you're going through, and I get it, it's tough. That's why we learned before spring break that we lock arms with obedience, right? And we walk with Jesus through the things that we go through. We walk with Jesus through our situations and through our trials. But do you understand, when you behold the Lamb of God, you put everything else in its rightful place. 
So during this response time, here's what I want to challenge you guys to do, is I want to challenge you, think in your own life, maybe even close your Bibles, put your phones away, maybe just think about right now, in your own mind, forget about everybody else, think about your personal self right now. And just have that time with God. And ask him, ask him by his supernatural power to reveal things to you in this moment. And trust him when you ask him. Trust him. Ask him to reveal things in this moment in your mind and in your heart and in your motives and in your soul and in your thoughts. Ask him to reveal those things to you so that you can therefore confess those things to him. Ask him to reveal those things to you so that you can therefore say, all right, I'm going to move in this situation. I am going to do something about it. God, we need you to remove these things in our lives. We can't do it on our own. We know that because the Lamb of God does that. God, we, we can't remove sin from sin. Lord, we need you, we need the spotless lamb to do that for us. And so, God, I pray over these students right now, God, and I know there are many, many situations that are happening in the room tonight. I know there are so many situations, sins and temptations. God, there's strongholds. There are things that have been holding these students down for so long. And God, I pray over every single one of them, and I ask you, Lord, in a way that only you can by your spirit, that God, you would minister, that God, you would collide once again with every single one of these students. God, bring to light whatever is in our hearts, in our minds, in our motives, whatever we dwell on. God, help us. Bring it to our attention. God, we are so ignorant sometimes. Bring it to our attention so that, God, therefore, we can bring it to you. So, God, I ask for boldness, God, for these next few moments. God, we ask for, for movement, God, as, as you are working in these students. God, we ask for an unwavering faith in these students. God, we pray that, God, even during this time that, that Jesus, the Lamb of God, would be held high. We wouldn't just celebrate you once a year, but, God, we would see the significance of holding you high inside of our lives. So, Lord, during this time, Lord, we, we just we give it over to you. God, we're not here to convince anybody. We're not here to force anybody. But God, we believe, God, by your conviction and by your love, God, you're gonna draw people to yourself. God, we trust in you. We're thankful for you. In Jesus' name we ask, amen.